Listener Production. Welcome to the first ever episode of Huh? Science Explained, a weekly podcast brought to you by Listener and Cosmos. Today, you've got me, Amalia Hart, and we're traveling back in time to understand how old our small blue dot, planet Earth, is, and how scientists worked it out. Have you ever wondered the exact age of our planetary home? And if you already know the magic number, hint, it's really, really big, have you ever wondered how we know? It's a question people have grappled with for centuries. Back in the 17th century, scholars in Europe were placing the planet's age at around 4,000 years old based on the chronologies in the Bible. But as the age of reason dawned and science began to cement itself, geologists started to revise the age of the planet back and back, facing fierce resistance every time. In the 1770s, Frenchman Georges-Louis Leclerc, Comte de Buffon, reasoned that by measuring how long spheres that were heated took to cool down, he could estimate the planet's age, based on how cool it was at the surface and how hot the Earth is underground. He concluded the Earth was somewhere between 75,000 and 168,000 years old. Then, Charles Darwin announced to the world that the geological processes that created the Weald, an area of southern England, took some 300 million years to complete, for which, as per usual, Darwin was pilloried and forced to retract the statement from his On the Origin of Species. Then, a prodigious scientist called Lord Kelvin decided the Earth was 98 million years old, but he kept revising his estimate down because, at the time, physics wasn't able to explain how the sun could burn continuously for more than a few tens of millions of years without exhausting itself. Today, as we putter around in our busy lives, rotating at roughly 0.4 kilometers a second on our big little rock which is circling the sun at around 30 kilometers per second, scientists have figured out that the Earth is much, much, much older. It's a 4.54 billion year old rock to be exact. That's enough time to fit more than 63 million average human lifetimes, based on the UN's estimate for global life expectancy. So, how did scientists work it out? Well, we can credit today's accurate dating techniques to something called radiometric dating, which is a way of working out how old something is based on the presence of a radioactive isotope within it. What is a radioactive isotope, I'm really hoping I hear you ask? Great question. Firstly, an isotope is each of two or more forms of the same element containing the same number of protons but a different number of neutrons. So, isotopes of an element all share similar properties. Now, a radioactive isotope is a version or form of an element that has an unstable nucleus, so it decays over time. You may have heard of isotopes in relation to nuclear medicine, for example, in cancer treatment. That is, the use of radioactive isotopes to target and kill cancer cells. In a given radioactive isotope, the nucleus is usually unstable because it has an excess of either protons or neutrons. That atom will essentially attempt to reach a stable state by shedding the additional particles, protons or neutrons, that made it unstable, as well as ejecting energy in the process. It usually doesn't decay directly into a stable isotope, but it goes through a series of decay stages called the decay chain. When it reaches a stable state, it becomes a stable isotope, which means it doesn't need to shed any particles. If it sheds neutrons, it will decay into a stable isotope of the same element. But if it sheds protons, it will decay into a stable isotope of another element. For example, radium decays into a stable isotope of lead called lead-206, or PB-206. 
Because radioactive isotopes are unstable, they're also measurable. Isotopes decay at a regular rate. That is, each radioactive isotope has a specific length of time it takes for half of it to decay into a stable form. Because scientists are awesome at naming stuff, this time period is called its half-life. Back in 1907, New Zealand physicist Ernest Rutherford, who would come to be known as the father of nuclear physics, articulated the idea that a radioactive isotope has a half-life, and he would go on to apply it to age determinations of rocks by measuring the decay period of radium into lead-206. Today, the half-life of various radioactive isotopes is known, allowing scientists to essentially count back in time. Isotopes decay at a regular rate. That is, each radioactive isotope has a specific length of time it takes for half of it to decay into a stable form. You might have heard of carbon dating. When people talk about archaeological finds like bones or wooden tools, this is the technique that's widely used. That's because living things take in carbon. Plants photosynthesize atmospheric carbon and they're not fussy about whether it's the stable C12 isotope or carbon's radioactive C14 isotope. Now, C14 exists in the air because cosmic rays, atom fragments that rain down on Earth from the Sun or from other stars outside our solar system, smash into C12 atoms, which make C14 isotopes. That process is happening all the time, so there's a relatively constant ratio of C14 to C12 atoms in the atmosphere. So, when the plants take in C14 and then die, they have both C14 and C12 in them. The same goes for humans and other animals because plants are part of the food chain. So when a living thing dies, like a human being or a tree that gets turned into a chair or a tool, it will have a standard atmospheric ratio of C14 to C12 within it. By looking at the current ratio of C14 to C12, we can then figure out how long it's been since the organism died, aka how long the C14 within has been decaying into C12. It's carbon dating that allowed archaeologists to determine that Mungo Man, the man found buried at Lake Mungo, was Australia's oldest known human burial, currently estimated at 42,000 years old. It was carbon dating that showed that the famous Turin Shroud, thought by some to be the burial covering of Jesus himself, was probably made more than a thousand years after Jesus died. But the thing about carbon is that it has a relatively short half-life. That means we can date things using this method that are around 50,000 years old or younger, but beyond that, it gets a bit murky. And rocks, of which the Earth is made up, don't photosynthesize. They don't take in atmospheric carbon. So carbon is good for dating humans, but it's pretty useless for dating the planet. Fortunately, there are other radioactive isotopes that do help. One of the key ones for calculating the Earth's age is uranium-238, or U-238. A lot of the oldest rocks on our planet solidified from red-hot metals, and those rocks have small amounts of U-238 in them. We know the half-life of U-238 is 4.47 billion years, and we also know that U-238 decays into a stable isotope of lead, Pb-206, at the end of its decay chain. What this all means is, if the half-life of U-238 is 4.47 billion years, and we find a rock that has a 50-50 ratio of U-238 to Pb-206 inside it, we would know that the rock is 4.47 billion years old. So, and channel your high school maths brain right now, it's all about ratios. By knowing the ratio of U-238 to Pb-206 in the oldest rocks we can find on our planet, scientists can say that the U-238 within has been decaying for a certain amount of time. In Earth's case, at least 4.54 billion years. Easy, right? 
it turns out there might be a problem. On a human kind of timescale, rocks are, well, they're as solid as the proverb says. But on an earth kind of timescale, rocks are more volatile. They're recycled, formed, reformed and destroyed because of things like volcanoes erupting, erosion and the subduction of rocks where one plate crashes into another, where they melt into magma. So if we know that some of the rocks on earth could have been destroyed, how can we be sure that our oldest rocks really are our oldest rocks? How do we know that an even older rock hasn't been destroyed? To deal with that particular problem, we get to go boldly into space. More specifically, astrogeologists have been hunting for the oldest rocks that come from the moon and meteorites in our solar system. Because Earth, meteorites and the moon are all thought to have formed from the same disk of material at the same time. When these space rocks get dated, it turns out that the results align. So, scientists know the age of Earth with a pretty high degree of precision because there are multiple lines of evidence pointing to the same window of time. Ha, huh, that was a big one. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with even more weird and wacky answers to life's questions. But in the meantime, you can head to cosmosmagazine.com for more science just like this. Otherwise, we'll be back again next week for another Huh? Science Explained. Huh?